Coming up on this week's podcast, we're talking Unai Emery's first game in charge, West Ham, and we're each going to pick an underachiever that we believe at this year's World Cup, plus all our usual features, so let's get started. Hello and welcome to a new episode of View from the Sideline podcast. It's Chris here and Liam is here as well. Hello, Liam. Hi, Chris. How you doing? Bad weekend. Bad weekend. For both of us, wasn't it? Yeah. I didn't see it coming, um, but I'm pretty sure it's because I said to someone at work on Friday that I was confident that they were going to win. And I don't think I should have said that. No. Because by saying that, I think that's the reason they've lost. Someone heard yeah. me say it and... Uh, yeah, I mean, there's no hiding from the fact of the score, to be fair. So, um, but at least we scored. Yeah, we didn't. Unfortunately, <laughs> we never looked like scoring either. Really, to be perfectly honest, it was awful. So, we'll we'll we'll, we'll get right into that then. And um, Unai Emery's first game in charge, obviously, not had a huge amount of time with the team, um, but. Uh, one to forget, I would say, as, as things go, as your first game in charge, um, the scoreline of 4-0 is the one that you hope to win by, um, not lose by. But saying that, you were probably playing the, inf- the most informed team in the league at the moment. Um, but it's, I mean, I mean, I, I, I've, I've seen bits of the game, the, def- the defending, I don't, I, I know you conceded four goals, but I don't know what was actually worse. You're defending or you're actually build up to try and attack. Um, yeah. And, and I think, I think, I think he's lucky in the fact that we've only got two games before we break up for the World Cup. Yeah. Then he's probably got two more games in December and then he's got a transfer window. So, He's really only got four games, which is obviously a strange situation to have in, say, the start of November. Only four games, four Premier League games until the transfer window. And I am 100% confident the first thing he's going to do is overhaul that defence. And and it's it's, it's your probably experienced players that are going to feel the wrath of it, like Tyrone Mings. I think... You know, he is, I guess, your leader at the back, but I mean, he, he has been pretty bad. Um, and that's probably been quite polite, um, the last sort of four or five games. Um, yeah, he's not, he's not had the easiest start to the season, uh, with obviously being sort of straight to the captaincy. Uh, I think he's spoken quite recently. I think it was either at the weekend or, or might have been late last week that it did really affect him mentally to to lose that and to sit on the bench for the opening game. Uh, what I will say is that we're no better without him, to be honest. Yeah. Not, not at least not with the players we've got in the squad. Obviously, we had Diego Carlos, but you know, game one he picked up a long-term injury. That doesn't really help matters. Uh, yeah. Bubka Kamara as well has been out for quite a while now. They, they're not. I don't think he'll be back before the World Cup, but I think he'll have a World Cup. I think he'll still go with France if he's picked. I think he'll just about be fit enough. 
So I think we should probably see the best of him when he comes back. Uh, but what I will say, so technically Emery hasn't taken charge just yet. I think it's midnight tonight. Um, my, my Basically, my phone's been going a bit crazy this evening because uh, the Aston Villa app is letting me know all the coaching staff that are leaving. Uh, so Neil Cutler's left tonight. Um, Aaron Danks, who took charge at the weekend, has left tonight. I think the set-piece coach that weirdly has had no effect on Aston Villa whatsoever is staying by the looks of things. Um, but yeah, it looks like he's making way for his own staff to come in, uh, which I think one thing that's frustrated most Villa fans this year has been the level of coaching that we've got. It just doesn't seem to be having an effect on the pitch. And I think, like you right, rightfully point out defensively, we're all at sea. And I think that starts on the training ground. So I think that will be his, his first port of call. Whether it's a complete overhaul of the squad, I don't know. I don't really think we need that much going forward. I think the players on paper are all there. It's just getting them to gel together. So I think personally, yeah, you're right. Defensively, we're going to need a couple of people to come in, I think. But I think the, the problem is centre midfield. Um, you know, Dance's first game in charge when we beat Brentford, he, he dropped two thirds of the midfield and um, they were poor again against Newcastle. So I think really, if we can get McGinn in a Scotland shirt, we can sort of see the form that will, you know, propel us up the league maybe. But we haven't seen that McGinn for probably two years now. And I think his time has maybe run out a little bit. Uh, we're looking at basically every every player in the Villarreal squad to come in. Uh, I know they're looking at wingers as well. I think we've been um, linked with pretty much every attacking player. Uh, which is quite interesting with Villarreal. So, yeah, he'll. I think he'll bring some in, but I think he'll have the money to do it. Um, but I, I, he's got to start on the training ground, really, and I think he's probably right to completely overhaul the coaching staff. I think that's probably a good first move for him because it wasn't working. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I assume that when, when he's signed to become manager, he, he already had sort of in the back of his mind the people that he wanted to bring in because I guess... Over over time in football, you, you, I suppose you get to trust people, don't you? That you work with day in day out, so it was probably always going to happen. Um, but sort of, uh, you know, with going for going forward, I you know, like you said, I, I don't think there is much work that needs to be done. I mean. I, th- I think that you've got some trustworthy players there. I know Leon Bailey probably hasn't, you know, excited the Premier League as much as what, you know, I, I would have first thought when, when he signed him. But, I mean, players like Ollie Watkins, who was probably in with a shout six months ago of going to the World Cup, mm-hmm. I I would assume now that that's probably gone. I don't know if you agree with that. I mean, yeah. he probably he probably makes the 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 fifty five man yeah. list, um, but I, I think that's as far as that will go. I think when you look at well, the, the thing is, you, you're not going to get rid of Harry Kane, so it, no. you're already up against it there. But you can be the best of the rest. And I think the best of the rest at the moment is, is more than likely Tammy Abraham and Callum Wilson. Um, but Tony as well. I, I, yeah. I think, I think he's, he's kind of fallen short in the pecking order and that, you know, that's, you know, he's, he's a, he's a very good player. I mean, but 
obviously the one thing you need to do is score goals and it just whether he's not getting the service that he needs or it's just a confidence issue um but i think you know come sort of january you're going to need him to be you know firing on all cylinders and maybe it might be for the best you know f- from probably an aston villa point of view that he doesn't go to the world cup yeah because you obviously get a nice and fresh when 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 you come back you're right, and, and I'm looking at the, the table now. We've scored 11 goals. There's quite a few teams that have scored 11 this season, but yeah. the only teams that have scored less are Wolves and Forest. You know, and they're the two teams at the bottom. So it's quite you're quite right. There's obviously something lacking. I, I don't think it's the creativity. I think we've got enough creative players. Yeah. Um, I think there's something with the link-up between the, 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 the attacking midfielders and, and the strikers. Um, but it's gonna. It's one of those. At the minute, I'm look, again still looking at the table. It's so close, really. I mean, Wolves are only nine points off European places. You know, it's yeah. that it's that tight at the moment. Where, and again, I've said it before. That's the frustrating thing because you think if we had the motivation to go and put three wins together, it wouldn't just see us in the top half. It would see us, you know, looking at seventh, eighth position. So yeah. it, it, the the carrot is there. It's just that we're not clicking together. That's the frustrating part of it. Um, when it comes well, defensively, obviously, <clears throat> I know Bournemouth have obviously conceded a lot because of the 9-0. But um, we're not actually horrendous. I mean, Leicester have conceded more. Forest have obviously conceded more. Um, Fulham have even conceded more goals than we have. And they're currently in seventh. So... Defensively, you could argue that actually it's not as bad as all that. But, I mean, to concede four against Newcastle at the weekend. And I, I watched the entire game as well. And the second half, we firmly deserved to be beaten. But it was not even a competition. They were just attacking at, at whenever they wanted. And they looked like scoring every time they, they got anywhere near our penalty area to be honest but the first half was pretty even we didn't create much but we didn't really concede any big chances either it was quite a boring game really and then the penalty at the end of the first half in added time obviously is a big difference going in at nil nil and going in at one nil down and the heads just dropped so I think that's another area he's going to have to look to address because confidence I think is is still quite low we obviously saw a Quite a passionate Villa crowd uh, against Brentford the other week, which saw us through. But yeah, it's going to be quite difficult to pick us up after this. So another team, um, I guess, struggling a little bit this season. Um, West Ham. Hmm. Um, obviously, they lost at the weekend um, again, but I think. They've been, they they have they have done some good performances this season, um, but I think we've been so used to them sort of, you know, almost pushing sort of for you know a one point Champions League spot, which yeah. is crazy to think. Um, and they are underachieving a little bit, but I think the the main point here is that obviously with David Moyes, he has probably earned himself a bit of grace with regards to um, bad results and anyone even think about getting rid of him. Um, And to be fair against Man United, they didn't, they weren't awful. um, But again, they didn't 
really create a huge amount. Um, they actually had more shots on target than Man United, but they just they just couldn't find the back of the net, and that seems to be an issue throughout their season. I mean, they they brought in the Italian um, striker Scamacca. Yeah. Um, I just again, I just don't think it's clicked with him a bit like Nunes at, at Liverpool. I just it's either taking time to to get hold of it or um, it's just not getting a consistent run of games. It seems to be him and Antonio that's switching all the time. Um, but you know, I, I I don't think they're in any sort of danger this season. Um, but to me. Um, Defensively, they haven't been too bad. I mean, looking earlier through some of their results, they haven't really lost anything more than by two goals this season. Um, And, you know, they have beaten teams in and around them, like Bournemouth and Fulham and Wolves as well. Um, So so they've still got a little bit there in the tank. Um, But it, it just seems a bit odd how from one season they look pretty good to all of a sudden things just aren't seem to be going their way and I don't know whether that's to do with Europe or obviously they're in the conference league, aren't they? Yeah. Um so it could doing, be could do that. Doing well in the conference league as well, aren't they? They have qualified, I think. Have they won every won every game? game. Yeah. Do you think? Um so they are obviously doing like it is there, but like you say defensively they've been quite solid. They they don't lose by much, but uh, eleven goals is the same as Villa. They're having the same problems as, as mm. I think at the moment. Um, I don't think Moyes is going to be under threat for quite a while. Obviously, what he's done has been quite impressive to get them to be, uh, you know, the, the the best team outside of probably the big sticks. Um, so I, it's hard to put where it's. It's going exactly wrong. They do, they do seem to be, have been a bit unlucky, I think, in a few games this season. Like you said, that it was a close game against United. It could have gone either way. I think um, it, it was one of those games that if they come away and won, would have all been applauding them, saying how well they played. But just because they lost, it, it it looks bad on paper. I still expect them to sort of go on a little bit of a run, maybe later in the season. But what I was quite surprised really was um, I know they bought in Skamaka. I think they did pay quite a lot of money for him, didn't they? I can't remember exactly what it was um, in summer. Other than that, there wasn't much in the transfer window. And for a team that's got into Europe, I kind of I just sort of expected a little bit more in terms of reinforcements. You need a bigger squad in order to do it. And, and they have sort of – they've got – of European football, like they're not new to it completely. So I, I, I expected a few, few um, like bodies to come in just for squad players, you know, to play on those European nights. And they did get a, a few people in, but I just I don't think it's enough. I think it does show how much you need in depth to be able to play well in the league and the cup competitions because they're, they're not a small squad, West Ham. You know they're not they're not like a Bournemouth or or a no. Brentford like that, and they've got youth players coming through um, that are being given quite good game time, but it just goes to show like the level that you the level of investment that you have to have, because I think even now we look at Spurs are having a decent season, 
but they're, they're losing a few like funny games here and there. These are these are this is a team that's been in Europe quite a lot over say the last sort of like five to ten years. They know exactly yeah. what they're doing. But when a team that size with that investment going in, you know that amount of money that they can spend on players, when when they're not able to compete at that very top level every week. It just goes to show you how difficult it is. I mean, really, we're looking at Man City. We've been saying for a long time this season how great they've been playing, but they're not top. Like, Arsenal are the team. No. And, you know, conveniently, Arsenal were the team that weren't playing in European competition last year. So, yeah, it, it must have something to do with it. Yeah, and I think with West Ham as well, it, it's almost... A bit of a ticking clock on Declan Rice, um, yeah. because I think the more and more they put it off, the less and less they're going to get for him, money-wise. Yeah. And I think you've probably got to look at probably next summer as they either they either sell him there and then, or they might as well just keep him until his contract runs out, mm-hmm. um, because I think current market value you, you could probably easily get you know 70 80 million for him yeah um because he's he's probably in the premier league probably one of the best sort of central defensive midfielders there and probably the best england one that they've that england have got so i mean but you know with the money they get from there they're gonna you know they're not going to replace him like for like so then you have to have to look around with where else can you use that money to to strengthen. I mean, you got Craig Dawson playing sort of when he's not injured regularly for them, um, and Kurt Zuma. I mean, Dawson's no spring chicken now, is he? He's like thirty two, thirty three. So maybe that's somewhere that they can look in because they bought this other guy in, didn't they? Um, Kara. Yeah, I've not seen much of him but, outside of Europe. I think he's he's mostly played in uh, European games, hasn't he? Yeah, but when he seems to be playing, he seems to be playing out of position at right back. But I mean, well, you know, time will tell with with, with them. I think uh, you know, on paper, they've got a strong enough team to probably get themselves back into Europe next season. Um, they're, they're probably one of the favourites to win that Conference League. To be fair, I mean. Yeah, well, you're not going to come up against very strong opposition in that, are you? Week in, week out. So, uh, um, so yeah, we'll um, we'll wait and see what happens there. So, we're going to move on to our World Cup segment of the week, which is so we did overachievers last week. We are going to do underachievers this week, and um. I've probably gone for a bit of a strange one, purely on the basis is that I think that they will win their group very comfortably, but it's when they come up against the bigger teams where they seem to struggle, um, and that's Belgium. Right. Um, I've, the, the thing is with Belgium, they've always got a huge expectation, and this is purely down to the players that they've got on the pitch you know they've got some of the best players in the world I mean they've got De Bruyne who is probably up there with the best midfielders in the world at the moment I yeah. mean Lukaku on his day depending yeah. on what Lukaku you get but 
you know, when he's playing for Belgium, he, you know, he's fairly decent. So, and they've got huge, huge talent in that squad. And for the last eight, nine years, it's always been sort of the same story with them. How far are they going to get? They should, you know, is it their year? Are they going to win it? And they never quite make it. Um, they're quick it's, it's, turning into the golden generation of England, aren't they? Yes. And finals and home. I, I don't know if you remember, but about, about 10, 15 years ago, one of the Belgium newspapers released like um, a who's who of the upcoming players that they've got. And, you know, it had all the, you know, all the stars that they've got there playing now, you know. And I think it was a lot was expected of that team, and they've never really delivered. And I just think it's going to be one of those things where there's a lot of hype around them again this time round. And I think looking at the draw that they've got, they've got a pretty easy group. Um, but I I think that they'll go out in the quarterfinals. Um, well, if, if they if they win their group, they I think they play second in Group E don't they? Yeah. If they win their group. And Group E is Spain, Costa Rica, Germany and Japan. I mean, that's what I mean. I think they'll be very, even if they get through that, because it would, seems to be... Yeah, you would fancy it's going to be probably Spain or Germany coming yeah. second in that group. So you're looking at really the round of 16, are you? That you think they'll well, get- yeah, because well, yeah, if... I mean... <sighs> I don't think Spain are what they used to be. So I think they'll definitely be trying to get Spain in the round of 16. I think they will, they could beat them. I think they they could on their day beat them. Germany, I'm not so sure about. I mean, if they get Spain, I think they go out in the quarters. If they get Germany, I think they'll be getting as far as that, as far as they'll be getting. Yeah. Um, and you've got to think now that this so-called I think they were called like the golden generation but in like a in a French term this is yeah this is probably is the last Euros maybe is the last chance that they'll get all those players in the same team and be able to prove I guess everyone wrong that you know said that you know they don't get as far as what they should do and um yeah, I just I just don't think they'll get very far this year. They, they'll they'll walk the 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 group. They've literally got the easiest group as well. Yeah. So yeah, but yeah, that's why I chose Belgium. Yeah, I think that's a, I think you're you're actually quite right there. I don't I don't know whether it's a mentality thing because I think England struggle from it a little bit as well. Just when we come up against a, a team that has won you know, more World Cups or, or more recent World Cups or the like the European Championship, there's always an element of doubt. I mean, I think on paper with a better squad, like let's say, let's take the Euro final, for example, we came up against Italy. I think on paper we were the better team, you know. Yeah. But I don't know whether nerves got it and whether that's down to experience in, in those big international games. You know, there might be people in and around and that Italian squad that have, have been there. I mean, they got to the World Cup final. What, well, they won it in 2006, didn't they? I think it was 2006. Yeah, they did, yeah. So um, whether there's people that are still around from then that 
you know, in big international finals that can keep younger players sort of focused and switched on and, and, and ease their nerves. And Belgium maybe don't have that. Looking at their team, like you say, I, I think you're right. I think it's either going to be now or the Euros uh, is going to be their last chance because I'm looking at the team. OK, Courtois is a goalkeeper. They can go on a little bit longer, but he's 30. So you'll be looking at him being 34 when the next World Cup comes around. Uh, Alderweireld's 33, so this is it for him, really. The Tongan's 35 again, so that's going to be it. Mounier, 31. Witzel, 33. De Bruyne, 31. Um, Carrasso's 29, so he might have another World Cup. Uh, Tielemans will have another World Cup, I think. He's only 25. Um, and then even, even going forward, Hazard's 31. Dries Mertens is 35. Um, Lukaku at, at 29. He'll probably have one more in him, uh, but he'll be 33. So you're looking at the people coming through, and they've got a few youngsters coming through, but not probably to the standard of what the players they're replacing are, are, have, have reached, you know. So I can I can kind of see where you're coming from, really. And I think even though they have got an easy group, like you say, they've got quite a difficult route if they want to get far. Yeah. Who did you choose? So I was I was torn between two. I kind of thought about Germany. But if there's one thing that my old man's taught me, it's to never discount Germany when it comes to a major tournament, because no matter how bad they look before, they will probably end up winning it. So I'm not going to say Germany. I'm going to go with my other choice. I'm going to say Portugal. Um, Portugal are in Group H with Ghana, Uruguay and South Korea. And personally, I think that is quite a tough group. I think Uruguay are always, always tough when it comes to World Cups, especially recent World Cups. I fancy Uruguay to top that group. And I think Portugal will come second. But I think they'll only just come second. I can kind of see them going out in the group stage, but I'll give them the benefit of the doubt and say they will come second. And then if they qualify from that, they play the winners of Brazil, Serbia, Switzerland and Cameroon. So really, you're probably looking at Brazil coming top of that group. So I think if Portugal do get out, I think they're going to come in second. I think they'll be behind Uruguay. I fancy Uruguay to win all three games. Um and then I think Portugal will come against Brazil and I think they'll come unstuck. And it's kind of for, for a similar reason, really, to um, what you were saying about Belgium. Obviously, they've got one of the best players that's ever played the game. He's still playing for them um, in Ronaldo, but he's not been on form for United, even when he's played. I know he scored at the weekend, but he's obviously yeah. been um, you know, on the bench a lot recently. Uh, and when he has played, he's, he's looked a bit... Uh, Annoyed, shall we say, um, at what's been happening. Um, and other than that, I think they're lacking a little bit of depth now. On midfield, they're okay. Bernardo Silva, Bruno Fernandes. But again, Bruno Fernandes' form's dropped a little bit recently. I don't know whether he'll pick it up in a Portuguese shirt. Um, Ruben Neves as well. Hasn't looked the player that he's looked since joining the Premier League, really. And then in defence, other than Ruben Diaz... I'm kind of looking at well, Jao Cancelo as well, I suppose. Yeah. Um, but they're not, you know, there's no Pepe. <laughs> which, uh, yeah. At least Diaz hasn't players on the pitch, but Diaz uh, hasn't even played, has he, for Man City at this season? He's been injured. Yeah. So, so it's going to be a risk with him. And yeah. 
So I, I, think... I, I just, I'm, again, similar to Belgium, they've not, I know they won the Euros, but they, they never seem to bring their A game in a World Cup, I don't think. And um, I, can kind, I can just sort of see them struggling because I think you take Ronaldo out of that team, I'm kind of wondering where the goals are going to come from. I mean, yeah. looking at the stats at the minute, I've got them in front of me. Diogo Jota's got 10 goals and he's their next highest top scorer that was picked in their last um, round of internationals. The only other one near is Andre Silva, um, who's actually got 19 goals, but uh, he wasn't in the last round of European internationals for them. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of wondering where the goals are going to come from, really. Um and there's a 39-year-old Pepe waiting to come back. Uh, he hasn't come back to get sent off for a little while, but uh, yeah. I think yeah, I think you make a valid point with Portugal. I think it's always difficult with Portugal because no matter how hard you think that they probably won't progress through, they actually end up getting quite far. I remember when you know when they won the Euros. I don't think many at the start of the tournament would have thought that they were going to go on and win it. I mean. Even in the final, you know, um, Ronaldo came off in that final, didn't he? He did, yeah. They didn't and really play at all, did they, in the tournament, I don't think. No, no. And then they got the goal, obviously, eventually. But, I mean, like, I agree with you. Like, you take Ronaldo out of that team, and it's almost like you take the spark from the team out, even though he's, like, 38 now. This this is going to be, for him, the last chance. Will you I say guess, that? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Could he go on for another World Cup? No, I don't, I don't think it will happen. This will be the last time that you see Messi and Ronaldo at a World Cup together. I don't I don't think they go past this one. So no. I think they'll both be rooting for it to, to try and get... The thing is with Ronaldo, I think he's not stupid. He knows the team that he's got behind him. Um, and he, he probably has to work extra hard when he's playing that Portugal team because you know he's probably got a good link up with Fernandes now. Um, obviously yeah. playing with him so long, but you know that that you look on paper they haven't really got that spark. You know Bernardo Silva, brilliant player, but again he's not he's not a consistent starter for Man City, is he? So right. it's a good one. It's a good choice. I mean. Are we going for a Belgian Portugal final now? Or yes, I think so, yeah. I think you want to now absolutely tear the World Cup apart and, and yeah. the, the best things that there's ever been. But yeah, I don't know, there's just something I, d- I don't fancy about that Portuguese side. Mm. And I think, I mean, I've said on this podcast quite a lot this season, I think Ronaldo creates more problems than he solves sometimes. Yeah. He is to watch. I think he can have just as detrimental in effect on a team um, as a positive one so we'll have it's to wait what group. turns up the it group is, is difficult when you think Ghana Uruguay Ghana is South Korea as well uh, yes Uruguay Ghana they're all, they're all sort of you know mid middle in terms of sort of stature they're all sort of mid card teams aren't they so it's not like you know Uruguay are probably up there with, with the South American teams. I mean, South Korea are probably up there where, in terms of Asian teams. Yeah. And, and Ghana, you know, one of the best sort of African teams around. So yeah, they might not even get out of that group. I mean... I if 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 you 
didn't know any of the results from the World Cup and someone said to you, Ghana beat Portugal, Uruguay beat Portugal, and South Korea beat Portugal, you wouldn't be too surprised, I don't think. I mean, South Korea, I mean, they're not, you know, they, they don't have a huge amount of quality in that team, but they have when, some... whenever they play at the World Cup, they always seem to give it a fair old show. I remember when they beat, remember when they beat Germany not too long ago? Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, and even, didn't they finish like, when the World Cup was in yeah. Japan, South Korea, didn't they finish like third or fourth that season? Did, yeah. Yeah, I think they finished third. I can't remember. Played, I think they played Turkey in the. I mean, that's mad. Turkey, Korea for the third place. But yeah, but we will. Um, yeah, I think that's two good choices actually that we've made. Uh, I think we'll have to wait and see. I, I now I've thought about it a lot more. I actually don't think Portugal will get through that group. I think I've convinced myself now that they're not going to. Uh, they're going out. Straight away, I think that I just I think when they, I mean, I think for them, like with with every team in the world, it's so important that you win your first game. Yeah, but especially in that group, I mean, where you could win the first game, lose the second game, and you could all be on three points. I mean, yeah, and you you really don't want to be in that situation when it comes down to. As it comes out, I assume it comes down to goal difference in the World Cup, but we'll have to wait and see. So, yep, that's it for talking points this week. And we'll be back in part two with all of our usual features. Hello and welcome back to part two of this week's episode. Um, we're going to go straight into the wonders of why. And Liam, I'm going to ask you a question. Did you see any League One action at the weekend? Um, I did, actually. I saw highlights of one game in particular. And that's Which probably I... the game that I am going to talk about right now. So um, I'm assuming you're going on about the 4-4 between Charlton and Ipswich. I mean, yeah. four goals after the 91st minute. 4 yeah. 2 up, Ipswich in the 94th minute, and then you still end up drawing. I mean, how many Charlton fans <laughs> left yeah. at 4 yeah. 2? I mean, a lot of empty seats on the highlights yeah. that I watched, but yeah, yeah. Crazy game. Four goals after the 90th minute. I don't think I've ever seen that. I don't think anyone's ever seen that. No, never. Uh, next one, uh, Manchester United have a positive goal difference for the first time this season. Wow. There you go. They yeah, did a bad start, didn't they? Yeah, they lost their first two games. Yeah. Um, so the next two um, are Liverpool related because we all like a laugh and a joke once in a while. Um, so some of those 89th minute winner for Leeds against Liverpool is the latest winner at Anfield since 2012 when Robin Van Persie scored for Arsenal. Okay. They don't concede many. Nope. Yeah. And you may or may not have seen this one, but this is the first time that Virgil van Dijk's lost a home game for Liverpool. That is mad, isn't it? Yeah. Since I, I did, did 
see that this weekend, and that is, yeah, to have kept an unbeaten home run as long as that, you know, probably only Mourinho that's gone better than that, I think. Yeah, we can all, yeah. <coughs> I think Mourinho did lose, after he left Chelsea, didn't he? He, he didn't lose a home game for about seven years. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, mean, I mean, I remember when we went, like, it's a ridiculous amount of games uh, without losing at home. It was like some like 89 games, I think it was, in the end. Without losing at home, mad. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that, that was actually a lot for this week. That's, that's nice. Animal. Right, quiz time. Yes. So last week's quiz went down so well. Um, I've decided to copy your style. That's fine. So we're going to have another quiz, but it's going to be maths related. So you might need a pen and paper or a calculator. I've called it Mathletico, just Mathletico. because. I okay. love a pun. Um, so <laughs> I've got. I've, I'm going to give you. I'm, I'm going to give you five because you gave me five. But I've got some more in reserve if you enjoy it that much. I've got another three questions you can have bonus points on. Um, but if we just do the first five, so this week I'm going to give you twenty points either way, like you gave me. But rather than being on FIFA World Rankings. This is going to be based on the UEFA European coefficient, Chris. Yeah, I've got technical. Um, So 423 teams have a coefficient, but luckily for you, I've just narrowed it down to the top 200. So there's no teams outside top 200 mentioned. So what you're going to have to do is I'm going to give you three teams. You can ask me the European coefficient of any one of them. Mm Mm-hmm. And then you have to add up where they come in that coefficient to reveal an answer, and I'll let you have 20 points either way. Right. Okay. So, ready? Yep. So you got a pen and paper or a calculator ready? I have a calculator. Okay. So, question number one. Barcelona, Trabzonspor, <laughs> and Arsenal. Ooh, I, I, well, I'll go for the Turkish one. Trabzon's for their yeah. ranking is 143. Okay. So, I think Barcelona will be in and around Austin at the top. So, yeah, because this is made out of, like, it's not just how many times you win it either, is it? It's, like, just participating in it. It is participating. So, yeah, I'll I work think we'll go with that, and then we'll go with, I'll say, that. So I have come to the conclusion of 173. You are spot on. No way. A hundred seventy-three <laughs> is exactly the right answer. I didn't think I'd oh make my... it too easy for you, but you are. Uh, well, <laughs> obviously what, gets... what rankings did you give people? Uh, like uh, five and twenty-six. Or did I put twenty-six or twenty-four? Can't remember. So Barcelona are ranked seventh. Okay. Trabzonspor are one hundred forty-third. Yeah. Arsenal are twenty-third. Oh yeah, no, yeah. Uh. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, well done. Wow. Okay. 
one. I feel like I should give you an added bonus point for getting it right. So I'm going to give you two points because you got it spot on. Blimey. So, yeah, well done on that. So how you get on with this one? Right. Um, question two, your three teams are Sevilla, West Ham, because we've spoken about them in this episode, and your favourite, Polish team, Legia Warsaw. Okay. So, yeah. Okay, uh, can I get West Ham? The so West Ham's ranking is 52. Okay. Sevilla's a tricky one because I know you get more coefficient for winning it, but they, I don't think, have won it for a while. But when they did win it, they won it quite a bit. So I think they would be regular. So I'm going to go with. That oh, Leeds is a difficult one as well because consistently, apart from last season. Just so anyone listening at home knows, Leeds are one of Chris's favourite football manager teams. So I yeah. know that he knows they're in Europe every year. <laughs> apart from this year, are they not in this year? No, because they remember we worked it out that they finished tenth or something in the league, didn't they? Yes, they did. You're right. Okay, so I am going to go with that. So I've come out, oh, this seems pretty high, 264. It is quite high, unfortunately. The answer is 191 Uh, total, so no points there. So Sevilla are ranked 16th in Europe, West Ham 52. I must be way out on Leisure because I put Sevilla as 24. So what? So you went with? I had like 180 on on Leisure. Yeah, so they're 123rd, yeah. and I think that's because again, like consistent qualification over the last 10 years, I would say. So no points there. No. See how you get on with this one. Question number three: AC Milan, Ajax, and Manchester United. Ah, uh, bugger. Um. AC Milan. AC Milan, and this surprised me, are 46. Okay. I thought they'd be higher than that, but then they haven't done well in Europe for a little while now. Man United. This one seems too low. Uh, 77. You are within 20. So you're 13 away, so you get a point for that. So it was 64 in total. Okay. Um, AC Milan were 46, Ajax a 10th, and Manchester United a 8th. 8th? Yeah, Man United are ranked 8th. Oh, okay, okay. I had them down as, I think I'll put 15th and 16th down. All right, okay. So you weren't far away. Um, Question number four. You have got the three teams of Hoffenheim, Celtic, and Manchester City. Mm, Who do you want uh, to score? I will go with Hoffenheim. Hoffenheim are ranked 80th in Europe. Do you know the reason I included them, Chris? You don't get a point for getting it right. Uh, why are you including Hoffenheim? Yeah. Uh, I 
I can tell you. Their owner is the creator of SAP. And I know that uh, that is something that's very close to your heart, Chris, as that is your (laughs) your face. Thanks. Yeah, the owner of Hotline invented Um, um, this system. A difficult one because Man City, because th- you've thrown me with the Man United one now, I'll still go with that. I think uh, 112. 112. You are just outside, literally just outside. You're 22 points away. 134. Is the uh, correct answer on that one. So Hoffenheim ranked 8th here. So it must be higher Celtic, than 25 then. Celtic are ranked 53rd. Oh, that's why I went wrong. And Man City are ranked 1st. So sorry about that. You're just just away. Not by okay. much. By much. So fifth one. Um, this is a little bit more difficult, I think. Uh, well, we'll see how you get on. Uh, three teams are Aberdeen, Napoli, and PSG. Uh, Aberdeen. I thought you might go for that one. Aberdeen are ranked 170th. And uh, I included them for a reason as well, because Scottish teams had a really weird, just while you're doing the working out, um, had a really weird uh, sort of grouping in the coefficients where six Scottish teams are ranked one after the other. So 176 to 181st are all Scottish teams and they've all got the same coefficient, which basically think I, I think it means they played basically one game in Europe and then got knocked out. So um, yeah, Aberdeen, Hearts, Dundee United, Motherwell, St. Johnson, Hibernian and Kilmarnock are all basically one after the other. I'm st- I'm, I think I've got the PSG one there or thereabouts. It's just the Napoli one. Consistently in Europe, but uh, I am going to go for that. So I have gone for 197. Oh, comfortably in. You're only two points away, actually. Ugh. 195. So well done. You get the point on that one. Um, Aberdeen 170 as we said Napoli are ranked 20th and PSG are ranked 5th I've got the Napoli one spot on well done <laughs> 20th but I put PSG on 7th so you get a point for that one so well done 3 uh, out of 5 3 out of 5 is not bad I do have, I have some bonus ones that I might actually put out on our Facebook page to see if anybody can guess them feel free to enter Chris as well um, but yeah Congratulations. So, yeah. Well, you got four points. Because I gave you two points for getting 173 spot on. So I still well can't done. believe I got that one. <laughs> First question as well. I thought you'd been cheating. Good, good. Right. Okay. So, you're who am I this week? Um, you can have all the teams. Um, retired. Okay. So... I apologise now if you live in any of these places and I and I murder the name of the place I apologise okay so he started his career at Real Sociedad he then went on to Toledo Ferrao 
Leganas and ended his career at Loca Deportiva. Oh, God. This. Obviously, uh-huh. I have clues for you because it just wouldn't make sense. Yeah. Um, I, no. Well, chance. I can tell you he started his career in 1990 and he retired in 2004. He retired in 2004 to take on the management position at Lorca Deportiva, the team he was actually playing for at the time. Um. This doesn't help me at all. I don't. I. I don't think I've heard of any of these teams, unfortunately. I have more clues. I, I'm going to need. A, I think at least another two. Okay. So he has managed two Premier League teams. Oh, okay. Oh, this is a manager that's not had a good playing career, isn't it? Okay. Go on. I need. Your one. next clue is he is actually a current Premier League manager. I think we, I'm guessing we've spoken about him today, haven't we? Maybe. <laughs> um, I'm going to say it's Emery because I don't know any of his playing career. Yes, it is in my Emery. Nice. You like to I mean, he he started off at Real Sociedad, um, but he, um, for some reason, was quickly moved to their B team. Um, uh, and he did play a few games for the B team, and he just he spent his career sort of in and around the you know, the second tier of Spanish football. I mean, I think he was in, he did play a couple seasons in um, the top Spanish division with Leganas, but other than that, um, he was pretty solid, faithful to the clubs he played, because I'm pretty sure when I looked, he had played for 50, he'd played at least 50 games for each of the clubs, um, but he only had a career sort of for 14 years so um, yeah it's how a, a sort of pretty unremarkable playing career has led to yeah some um, of the biggest teams in Europe PSG Arsenal Villarreal yeah. Valencia Sevilla he, um, he I'm not sure if he retired because he had to or whether he just retired because he wanted to focus on managing the team um, According to Wikipedia, he suffered a serious knee injury yeah. and was offered a vacant coach's position by the club president. Mm. The, yeah, that's how, where it all started um, for him. Um, but yeah, the two teams that he managed was that the, the clues were that he managed Arsenal and Aston Villa, and obviously the, the second clue was that he was a current manager um, and he was actually already managing one of those teams. So yeah. Um, oh, good one. Yeah, I, I, I was. I almost did Raoul. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but um, yeah. So that's it for this week. Uh, anything else, Liam? No, not from me. No. Nope. So we will be back next week.